Hi everyone, it's Dr. Kamari Valentine and thank you so much for joining me on my podcast. Today I want to talk about somatization, conversion and somatic symptom disorder as we define it in the DSM-5 or Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of the American Psychiatric Society which is in its fifth edition now. It is one of the ways in which we can diagnose disorder, but it is not the only way. This might seem like an unusual topic to be talking about, but I keep talking to people about somatization, and so I thought it would be a great podcast to make, especially as there are a number of myths out there about these disorders. So the problem, I think, starts because of a kind of division between physical and psychological. We have for too long seen body and mind as separate. It used to be the case that When diagnosing um, somatization, we had to rule out a physical basis, and thankfully, times have changed. Okay, we also used to use the term medically unexplained symptoms, and this term is problematic because there very well may be a physical basis that has not yet been explored, or a physical basis that interacts with a psychological state. I think we already recognize in our language that mind and body are related. We use phrases like a lump in my throat, butterflies in my stomach, carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders, or that somebody is a pain in the neck. Right? We we recognize that psychological states are related to physical symptoms. And That is really what somatization is. Psychological distress, um, emotional issues manifest or have a physical component. These physical symptoms are not made up, okay? They are not um, fabricated. People genuinely experience physical sensations, It is also not the case that we have to rule out a physical issue. So people may very well have a known physical issue. But what I talk about is how those psychological states like headaches, stomach aches, fatigue are influenced by emotional distress. We say that the body is trying to communicate something and we know that trauma is stored in the body. In a moment, I'm going to read some excerpts from The Body Keeps the Score from Professor Bessel van der Kolk, one of the leading lights in the study and treatment of trauma. What we find as well is that there are certain characteristics that can increase the likelihood of somatization. When people have been unable to communicate their distress, for example, there have been in families which have shut down 
such discussions shut down the expression of emotion, suppressed, um, invalidated those experiences, then the communication of emotion or emotional states has been impossible, right? It's been really hard to express what's happening and the body finds a way or the mind finds a way to communicate that distress. So let's talk about conversion, okay? So as the name suggests, it is the conversion of psychological distress into physical symptoms that can look like neurological symptoms or other medical conditions. Typically, what we're talking about are states like paralysis, blindness, or seizures. These symptoms are genuinely experienced, okay? It is not the case that people are faking it. I also want to talk about another myth, which is this phrase that this is in your head. I find that phrase just so puzzling and also invalidating. When people say that, I guess that in the past that has meant there is no physical basis or you're making it up right? That somebody is faking. And this is absolutely not the case. Um, I often say to people that um, there's, if, if you could choose anything, if you could choose to show anything, you would not choose to communicate distress this way, okay? While there might be uh, um, instances of people who are uh, displaying symptoms for a reason, that is in the really vast minority of presentations. So when we when people say it's in your head, I think it comes from a, a invalidating stance that is not correct. To say that there is a psychological component simply means that there is a part here that can be understood within thinking about distress for the person. Okay, now before I read the excerpts from Bessel's book, let's talk about somatic symptom disorder because I think that this illustrates um, what I mean about how things can have a physical basis. So we diagnose somatic symptom disorder when there are one or more somatic or body symptoms that are distressing or significantly affect daily life. Secondly, there are lots of thoughts, feelings or behaviours related to the physical symptoms or associated with health concerns as shown by thoughts about the seriousness of the symptoms or a high level of anxiety about health or the symptoms or and or a lot of time or energy devoted to these symptoms. We typically say that while one symptom may not be continuously present, the state of being symptomatic, of being affected, is persistent, um, usually more than six months. We can then specify if pain is the predominant feature 
And we can also say it is persistent. If there are severe symptoms, impairment is present in functioning and the length of time the symptoms have been present is more than six months. We can also specify the severity, uh, mild, moderate or severe, as a function of the symptoms, the number of symptoms that we're seeing. So typically I make this diagnosis when people are experiencing multiple health issues that are not um, that that may have a physical basis, as I say, but that are influenced by stress and that appear to have a psychological component. For example, we might notice that the symptoms arose following a stressor. We might notice that the symptoms cannot be fully explained by the, dis- by the physical health issue on its own, or that the symptoms take up considerable time and are associated with, with distress. So let me talk to this book. Some of you may know the book, The Body Keeps the Score by Professor Bessel van der Kolk. And this book is considered a really key text in the area of trauma. Um, so in, in one of his initial chapters, Bessel talks about how um, we use words like scared, stiff, frozen in fear. And these have a very visceral foundation. Okay. And so now I'm reading. The price for ignoring or distorting the body's messages is being unable to detect what is truly dangerous or harmful for you and, just as bad, what is safe or nourishing. Self-regulation depends on having a friendly relationship with your, with your body. Without it, you have to rely on external regulation from medication, drugs like alcohol, constant reassurance or compulsive compliance with the wishes of others. Um, incidentally, we call that trauma response fawning. It has been necessary in order to keep safe, in order to keep alive, to attend to other people, to please other people. That was a necessary response, but it persists uh, into into adulthood. Okay, so Bessel continues, Many of my patients respond to stress not by noticing and naming it, but by developing migraine headaches or asthma attacks. And then Bessel uh, goes on to give an example. This book is great for giving lots of um, wonderful stories and illustrations. And then he continues, suppressing our inner cries for help does not stop our stress hormones from mobilizing the body. And he talks about a specific client, then says her therapy focused on identifying the link between her physical sensations and her emotions. And I also encouraged her to enroll in a kickboxing program. And he continues, somatic symptoms for which no clear physical basis can be found are ubiquitous in traumatized children and adults. They can include chronic back and neck pain, fibromyalgia, 
migraines, digestive problems, spastic colon, uh, slash irritable bowel syndrome, chronic fatigue, and some forms of asthma. Traumatized children have 50 times the rate of asthma as their non-traumatized peers. Studies have shown that many children and adults with fatal asthma attacks are not aware of having breathing problems before the attacks. Bessel then talks about lexithymia, which is where there are no words for feelings. Many traumatized children and adults, this is from his book, simply cannot describe what they're feeling because they cannot identify what their physical sensations mean. They may look furious but deny that they're angry. They may appear terrified but say they are fine. Not being able to discern what is going on inside their bodies causes them to be out of touch with their needs and they have trouble taking care of themselves whether it involves eating the right amount at the right time or getting the sleep they need. Um, like my aunt, uh, alexithymics, and, and we would say people with alexithymia, substitute the language of action for that of emotion. He continues, they tend to register emotions as physical problems rather than as signals that something deserves their attention. Instead of feeling angry or sad, they experience muscle pain, bowel irregularities or other symptoms for which no cause can be found. About three quarters of patients or clients with anorexia nervosa and more than half of all patients with bulimia are bewildered by their emotional feelings and have great difficulty describing them. When researchers showed pictures of angry or distressed faces to people with alexithymia, they could not figure out what those people were feeling. Um, and then I'll just read a little bit more. Because traumatized people often have trouble sensing what is going on in their bodies, they lack a nuanced response to frustration. They either react to stress by becoming spaced out or with excessive anger. Whatever their response, they often can't tell what is upsetting them. This failure to be in touch with their bodies contributes to their well-documented lack of self-protection and high rates of re-victimization, and also to their remarkable difficulties, feeling pleasure, sensuality, and having a sense of meaning. Now, um, my, my only issue... One of my issues, I should say, is, is the, the language here. Um, I just really want to be clear that it is not a them and us, that we are all in this together and that we all experience some degree of somatization, okay? That it is a continuum rather than being black or white and that um, people are people at the end of the day. So, also, I guess I need to say that this is not black and white, and there may be other explanations present. Um, with what I've said, it doesn't mean that everyone who has anorexia has these issues, or that everyone who um, who has pain or irritable bowel has a trauma history. It is. The case, though, 
that trauma carries with it a body impact. And that is the link that I'm talking about here. So experiencing adversity, for example, when growing up, means that our bodies are holding on to stories and experiences that they try, that our body tries to communicate with us. Yeah, I feel like there's so much more I could say, but I'm going to stop here. And I hope this has been useful. I'd love to hear your questions. I feel like I've opened up a whole lot of cans of worms, uh, questions that you might have. I'd love to hear from them and um, post a response. So tune in to your lovely bodies. Know that those feelings are coming from somewhere. Um, your body is really trying to communicate with you. And all of us can get more in touch with our body, more connected, more here. So uh, great talking um, with you. I'd love to hear from you. Take care and talk soon. <music>